90% of our waking time, we are on that autopilot. We're behaving without thinking. Welcome to The Lavender Lifestyle, the podcast on personal growth and lifestyle design. My name's Eileen, and I'm here to guide you to become a master artist of life. Every Sunday, you'll get new insight and inspiration on how to create your dream life. After the episode, the conversation continues in our Lavender Lifestyle Facebook group, so I can't wait to see you there. Life is an art. Make it your masterpiece. Hello, hello, my loves. Welcome back to the Lavender Lifestyle Podcast. It's so good to be talking to you again. So we are now officially in season six of the podcast. I know. And for the season, we've lined up some amazing guests for you guys. These past two weeks, I've been having some great deep conversations with our guests, just gaining new insights to help us change our lives for the better. And I'm so excited for you guys to just get into this new season. But before we get into our first guest today, I want to announce that the 2020 Artist of Life workbook launches next week, November 1st. So get excited, mark your calendars, and make sure you hop over to our website, shop.lavendaire.com, to check it out when it launches. If you're already on our email list, then you'll be getting early access to this launch. But if you're not, it's not too late to join. You can join our mailing list at lavendaire.com slash mail. And that's it. So today for our first episode, we are kicking it off with Dr. Nicole Lepera also known as the holistic psychologist on Instagram. She has nearly 3 million followers on Instagram as of now, and she's growing super fast because her content is so amazing. Dr. Nicola Pera was trained in clinical psychology at Cornell University, the new school, and also studied at the Philadelphia School of Psychoanalysis. She is a holistic psychologist whose work addresses the connection between the mind and body and incorporates nutrition, lifestyle, and psychological wellness practices. She's the creator of the movement, hashtag self healers, where people from around the world are joining together in community to take healing into their own hands. I'm so excited for you guys to hear this interview today and learn how we can all start our process of self-healing. Hello, Nicole. Welcome to the Lavender Lifestyle Podcast. I am so excited to talk to you today. Thank you so much for coming on. Thank you so much, Eileen, for having me. I'm thrilled to be chatting with you as well. Yeah, I am such a fan of your content. It is so good. It is amazing. And just thank you for the work that you do, first of all. And second of all, I want to know your story. How did you get started sharing psychology on Instagram? Was this intentional? Did you want to make this your career? What's that story? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, first and foremost, I'm really happy to hear that my content is resonating. So the short answer is, if you would have asked me a decade ago if my life, what my life would have looked like, it definitely wasn't going to involve um, anything on social media, or at least not to this extent. So a quick kind of what got me here journey. So I'm one of those humans who, I guess, is long, whenever you start getting asked, what are you going to be when you get older? Uh, probably around high school age for me that was, I was talking about wanting to be a psychologist. Mainly, I had such a fascination with the mind, what makes people who they are, what they are, behave, you know, as they do for as long as I can remember. I'm also on the human side of things, someone who knows the experience of anxiety, of panic and all of that quite well, because as long as I can remember, I was a very fearful, you know, scared child waiting for the next kind of shoe to drop. So anxiety is something that I, I kind of walked in, in my journey. 
So flash forward in time, I went through all of the training. I received my PhD in clinical psychology so that I could be the practicing therapist, um, someone who really wanted to help people heal. And I opened up my practice um, in Philadelphia, it was at the time, and it became successful. I started seeing the clients. um, And several years in, uh, I had what I now refer to as a dark night of the soul, which really for me, it was just a culmination of some physical symptoms that had started to, you know, kind of creep up. What first was low energy, brain fog, you know, that underlying anxiety started to turn into, you know, something that felt a bit more debilitating. I started to faint. Um, I started to forget my words mid-sentence. So I had all of this physical stuff going on that, you know, um, considering my experience as an anxious individual, I was quite scared of. Um, I didn't know, you know, thinking something was physically wrong with me. Mm -hmm. Um, At that point, you know, I just, I've been living with anxiety my whole life. All of the therapy I had been in, which had been, you know, extensive over the years, the medication I'm on, you know, I just kind of felt like I was still living under that, that um, cloud of anxiety. And in terms of, you know, spiritually, I, you know, I had all of the things. I checked all of the boxes. I had a successful practice. I had a partnership. I had friends around me. And I just had this really deep sense of, of something missing. And, you know, as, as, as all of this began to culminate, um, I first and foremost was seeking relief for myself because here I was, or so I found myself to be, you know, the professional, mm-hmm. the person who's supposed to help people <laughs> break out of these patterns, you know, reduce the symptoms. And not only was I feeling really stuck. Um, That's a word I kept kind of resonating with at that time. I was seeing a lot of the same stuck patterns in all of the clients that I had been seeing week after week. Mm. So after, you know, kind of like some, some deep diving, really educating myself on, you know, some, some pieces of science that, you know, were not, I was not exposed to in my training, really understanding the connection between the human mind, the human body, the human spirit or soul that I believe we, you know, all have as part of us, I began to to understand, I think, um, my stuck areas a bit more deeply. And I began to first and foremost, do the work of healing myself. And after I started to actually begin to create change in my life for the, for the first time, honestly, in decades is when, you know, online became a possibility. I started to see everyone speaking online, you know, sharing their experiences. And for me, it was just an initial outlet without any, you know, like I said, I I really had no expectation about what would happen with the account. For me, it was going to be one of the first times in my adult life where I began to speak my truth, you know, not filtering it through how everyone would think of me if I said it, you know, anyone from my personal life to my clients. For me, it was about let me just go and begin to share my story, mm. a story that I hadn't really been sharing and living with pretty much anyone in my life. And as I began to do so, it began to resonate really yeah. on a global scale. And, you know, followers, as we're just using the social media language, you know, started to trickle in. Mm-hmm. But more importantly, what I was so interested in is, is again, the share, the commonality, you know, me sharing points of my past experiences, my struggles, and the tools that I was now using to create change and seeing how universally resonant they were. And from that point, I kind of 
solidified myself that this was, you know, important. This was a story that needed to continue to be told, not only for us humans, but in my opinion, you know, as within the field, uh, you know, in and of itself. And, you know, so the holistic psychologist and the movement and essentially of self healers that it now is, was born. But the short answer was no. <laughs> a decade ago, I thought I was going to be, you know, I just had my shingle, my private practice in Philadelphia. Um, and I guess in a lot of ways, I imagined that my life was going to be pretty similar to the life I led thus far, mm. you know, kind of somewhat empty feeling, somewhat disconnected. I had convinced myself by that point that that's all this that there was. Um, so, you know, flash forward a decade and now I obviously have come to believe things quite differently. That's a, an amazing story. I have two parts that I want to ask you about. I mean, the first part is you talk about being stuck and you learned certain things that you didn't learn in your training and you went to like great schools, you studied, you were a professional, right? So can you <laughs> go into what are these things that you were not taught in school that helped you heal yourself? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think there's there's two major reasons we become stuck um, that at least the programs that I was in, you know, were not fully equipping me. And the one main reason is a part of our, our brain or our mind. Um, so we have a part of our mind and it's called the subconscious. And essentially in our subconscious is where I'm just going to use the computer analogy because I think it's the one that we can all you know, identify with and understand in this digital age, essentially we store, you know, kind of like our autopilot in this deep, deeper part of our, our mind. Um, we need to do this because if you think about, you know, how we go about humaning every day from just the behaviors, you know, how we, what we do first thing when we get up, how we, you know, kind of take our meals, et cetera, to what we think, our whole way of being, if we had to consider, you know, and make those as active choices throughout our day, I mean, I, I joke when I say this, but we would have smoke coming out of our ears. We, it would be <laughs> completely overwhelming to be, con right. you know, making these choices as new each and every day. So we store what I call programs in that subconscious part of our mind. However, the issue with that, while I'm saying on the one hand, that's, that's great. We need that. It conserves energy. It conserves calories. And it frees up our attention to devote it elsewhere. It, however, is usually, right, the result of our past earliest experiences. So mm. one of the reasons why we become stuck is that autopilot that depending on, you know, the, the research that you're reading that most of us are existing in upwards of 90% of our waking time, meaning wow. almost upwards of 90% of our day, right? It's incredible. We are on that autopilot. We're, that's, that's crazy. Isn't that wild? Yeah, yeah we're behaving yeah. without thinking, if you will. Mm -hmm. that is a large reason why we're stuck and why we're stuck repeating those old patterns. So when you come into the field and, and I would notice this week in and week out in myself and in my clients, we would have amazing, insightful conversations, right? So the next mm -hmm. time, you know, Janet leaves session and she's going to go have an argument with her partner and Janet has insight of why this upset her. And next time Janet's going to do this other thing instead of screaming and yelling, right? I'm just using an example. Mm-hmm. When we're having that conversation, we're having that from that a different part of our mind. We're talking from our state of consciousness, our frontal lobe, where we have insight and we can plan ahead and, you know, kind of come to all of these wonderful conclusions and imagine change. However, when that same argument ensues, what's happening with most of us, and this is why we repeat those old patterns, we shift back in 
to that deeper part of our mind. Sometimes mm-hmm. our emotions, you know, play a role in it. Our amygdala, you know, lights up. That's the part of our brain. So before you know it, right, all of our best laid plans for how we're going to do this thing differently kind of fall by the wayside. So while, you know, we learned about the brain somewhat in school, we really didn't understand um, the powerful role that this subconscious plays. Um, and furthermore, didn't necessarily understand how to work with it to create change. Mm. So that's a really, really big reason why we are, you know, kind of stuck and why I believe just you know, kind of logically talking things through doesn't actually create change. And a second reason is back to what I was saying earlier, you know, we, we are an interconnected being, you know, the mind and the body are in constant communication. And a lot of times, at least historically in the field, there's been an overemphasis in treating those two entities as separate, right? We go to medical doctors, yes. right, for yeah. our body when our body is ill. And we go to the psychologist, what I was trained to be when our mind is ill, not understanding mm. that those two are more connected. Connected. And, right. And a lot yeah. of the I think that's huge. Yes. That's yeah. a big, big part because – what is happening for a lot of us is we're living in what I call a trauma body. We're living in a mm-hmm. body that's stuck in a, in a state of a nervous system response or reaction. And it's, it's not allowing us, you know, our body is really dictating and determining. So back to the talking model, if I'm just going to talk, right, things through and not identify and address the underlying physiological or nervous system imbalances in my body, I'm going to remain stuck. Similarly to Mm. if I'm in autopilot, I'm going to remain stuck in repeating those old patterns. And is that what you would consider the the main differences between like traditional psychology and the holistic psychology that you talk about? Absolutely. Like holistic brings in the aspects of the subconscious and the body and the connection. Holistic, the way I would simply define it is acknowledging the interconnectedness between the mind, the body, and the soul that I believe at Mm. least each of us, you know, human beings, um, you know, kind of are consisted of all interconnected. And I think it's really based in an exploration of those underlying imbalances. What is causing the symptomology, whether it's the symptoms of anxiety, whether it's the negative relationship patterns, even though I don't love the word negative or the, you know, the mm. ones with consequences. I am of the belief, and I think holistic work is of the belief, that there is an underlying cause. Um, And historically, I think our model of treatment that I also engaged in myself is the Band-Aid model, right? Treat the symptoms. Mm -hmm. I have the headache. I take the medicine. It makes the pain of the headache go away. But I don't necessarily explore what might be causing the headache beneath. Exactly. And I think it's, it's so huge. And it's, this resonates with me so hard. So thank you for doing your work, especially because we need more professionals, credible people in this field talking about this mind body soul connection. The other part that I wanted to ask you is when exactly did you start your Instagram page and sharing because I've seen a trend in more people talking about mental health and healing and all of these, like healing the inner child traumas. These weren't things that were in the mainstream before. And I feel like they're getting more and more mainstream, mostly because of pages like yours. So how can you talk about that trend? Yeah, absolutely. So I decided and created the Holistic Psychologist Instagram account in July 2018. So mm, just nearing a little over- Pretty recent, I would say. Two years. Yeah. yeah which is abs- so when I say, you know, it, it really began to resonate quite quickly. Um, mm-hmm. And again, that far exceeded any expectation that I that I even would have had 
Um, yeah. it, it really, really did. And to me, you know, I don't, I, I, I understand that as that universe versiality, right? I, we are all, and, and it is international. I mean, I actually just yeah. was on a call, um, with someone who won, won a contest um, from Nigeria this morning. So awesome. it so that to me is there is universe, universal truths are being spoken. And when I yes. decided to go online in July 2018, um, it was still really new for someone who called themselves a psychologist or, you know, someone in the, the mental wellness field to be talking personally online. And, you know, it's, it's, I think it's been accounts like my own and many other now mental wellness practitioners Mm -hmm. that are beginning to speak. Cause most of us in the field have been taught to be what has been common, like a blank slate or to be not a person, right? Mm -hmm. We've been kind of told not to disclose personal aspects of ourself, our healing, our work, et cetera. So, you know, there was a day and a time where there was very few even mental health professionals speaking, I believe, exactly. you know, especially right yeah. in the virtual sphere. So all of this is new. Um, mm-hmm. And it's not just myself. There's a lot of incredible um, practitioners out there putting all different types of work um, out there in this new virtual way. And I agree. I've seen such um, a transmission of language of just mm-hmm. like, and that's how we relate. You know, I'll see different communities popping up when they each have their own way and jargon and language. And it's just, it's, it's really cool to, to watch um, the collective evolution on the virtual sphere as it's visible to all of us. Yes. And it's definitely happening. Cause when I started my channel, I started in 2014, I was talking about these topics, but just from my own personal experience. And there were, it was hard to find like psychologists talking about things like this. And I realized because there there's like a stigma or where you, you want to not get too personal. You have to be detached. And I don't know that it's just very cool to see the trend and the evolution of what's happening. I completely, completely agree. Yeah. And I, there's been many, you know, messages and many reasons why I think people, you know, psychologists in particular have been hesitant. Um, some of it is, you know, I don't, I don't want to as the the labeled professional in the room who has all the answers, I think there's that level of stigma too. I don't want to present mm-hmm. myself, right, as someone who mm-hmm. maybe isn't so sure or maybe is a human on the other side of things and is struggling myself. In my opinion, um, it's through sharing our stories and our experiences that we gain connection and gain wisdom. And even if all parts don't resonate um, it doesn't necessarily, it just brings us, I think it evolves us as a species in addition to connecting us with others. So I think the yeah. field in and of itself, um, you know, it, it is, is limited, um, within that older framework. Mm-hmm. So let's talk about this concept of self-healing. So for someone who's new to this, where would you suggest them to start? Yeah, absolutely. And just to clarify, I mean, when I say self-healing, what I what I mean when I say that is really, you know, in, in embodying empowerment that we are our own best experts. Um, it does not mean, because I, I do mm. see my my work misinterpreted a lot, it does not mean that I am, you know, super individualistic, all people are islands, do it alone, don't contact anyone else, let alone a friend or a practitioner. Absolutely not. Um, I just believe that for so long, a lot of us have outsourced and have looked to others, right, to make decisions for ourselves. Um, and I am of the belief that we all mm-hmm. have a deeper part of our, a recess of our soul. That's where I believe it comes from. That's, that is our intuition. That is our inner sense of wisdom and of knowing, yes. you know, what works for our body, 
what works when we're emotionally activated, how we can express our soul and our soul's mm-hmm. purpose and passion. And I don't believe that they're universal. So I don't think that looking to what worked for someone else and just directly applying that um, to me works, even if the person has the title of doctor. So what I mean by self-healing, again, is just mm. empowering the, the human to find the tools, to, to have the complete story about what tools are available and would be possibly helpful in a more complete way. And it also harnesses, I think, another reality, which is treatment is limited. You know, and again, even those of us and and I myself, I I spent some time in family therapy this past year trying to rebuild family relationships um, in my own in my own Mm -hmm. life. Even within those of us who are you know having the supportive therapist, treatment is typically what an hour a week, right? And so that autopilot, that ninety percent of the day that I was referencing earlier, happens outside of even the best treatment anyway. So the second piece yeah. that you know yeah. self-healing means to me is the reality of those consistent daily, I call them small daily promises. They don't have to be crazy and huge, mm-hmm. but the reality of it is there, there are going to be some changes and some new choices that we have to learn how to make and maintain on a more consistent basis outside of even the best treatment. Um, that we could have available to us. Yeah. Can you give examples of what those small daily actions or promises look like for people who want to self-heal? 100%. And thank you for asking me that, Eileen. So the first question, (laughs) I mean, that we want to ask ourselves and the first then tool that I believe we all um, can build into our foundational toolkit is how conscious or unconscious are we throughout our day? You know, Mm -hmm. are you that person that's living more or less in autopilot? My day ends and I can't even tell you really where I was, what I said and what I did because I was so, and I speak from being that person. I lived the 30 plus, you know, initial years of my life here on this planet in a state of dissociation. I have very little memories. I was in just a walking autopilot, like an automaton. And I was quite good at it. You wouldn't know I was, I would have had a, full conversation with you throughout that day and recollected very little of it later because I was just so unconscious to myself. So the first tool is how conscious are you? And when you're, Mm -hmm. the answer is not very, you know, if you are that person that's more or less living in autopilot, repeating the same patterns, even if you mean to do something differently, we then want to establish, you know, a a foundational practice of consciousness. So a quick Mm -hmm. tip tool practice Set an alarm on, we all have cell phones these days, right? Set an alarm for two random times throughout your day that you'll probably forget when they go off. When that alarm goes off, note, ask yourself, what am I paying attention to? Where's my attention, right? Chances are it's probably right in the fight yesterday that you had with your partner or maybe this morning. Maybe you're like me and you want to worry about tomorrow, the next day, <laughs> 10 years from now, right? And you're reciting your endless to-do list. Maybe you don't even know where you are. You're just not here, not present Uh. to what's happening in front of you. And if that is where your attention is, now we want to start to flex a new muscle. We want to start to learn how to become consciously aware of our current experience. And the way Mm -hmm. we can do that, the quickest access that we have to our now moment is through our senses, such as what do I see, right? So when that alarm goes off, If you are worrying about that argument or, you know, your boss conversation that you have to have tomorrow, 
tune in with your senses. Okay, ask yourself, what can I see in this room right now? What can I touch, right? Am I, am I on something that's soft? Am I touching something that's hard? Is there a smell? Do I smell lunch being cooked in the kitchen? Can I hear anything? Is there faint music on in the background? And really learning how to direct your attention to those senses. Because when we enter our bodies in that way, now I'm in my current moment. And then the more I practice that, I want to build on that. I want to learn so that anytime during my day, I get to choose where I'm paying attention. And that is, in my opinion, the foundation of change. Because when we learn to fire that muscle up consistently enough, now in that space between that argument, right, that I'm going to scream and yell like I just did with my – like I always have done with my partner that I was describing earlier – now I can show up consciously over time, of course. None of this happens overnight. But over yeah. time, now in that moment, I can employ a new conscious choice. I can do that new thing that I want to do this time, which might be some deep belly breaths to regulate my anger, whatever it might be. That is the foundation where change happens through consciousness. So in my opinion, yes. if we're talking about creating change in our life, we have to have that conversation with ourselves first. How conscious am I? And can I create a habit of being conscious in each and every moment so that I can begin to make new choices in the moments that I want to? Mm, I love that. And to me, I, I mean, this concept sounds like being present, mindfulness, the power of now. Is, is it the same thing? Yes, Do, it is. Because – Okay. It's firing up the same part of our mind, the prefrontal cortex. It is the same practice in a sense. Amazing. I, I've heard that you don't completely agree with the practice of diagnosing mental illness. Can you explain? And what instead should we be doing? Yeah, absolutely. I think there are, are limitations. Um, you know, anytime mm -hmm. it, it's it's not a matter of whether I agree or not agree. I, I I like to voice the limitations in those models. And and while on the one hand, because I don't want to discredit, there are some of us who when we get that label, right? So I've had many labels. I've had generalized anxiety disorder. I've had panic disorder. Mm -hmm. I've had obsessive compulsive disorder, right? For some of us, when we have the what this is that I'm struggling with, we can feel relief, right? We might can, we can feel mm -hmm. maybe that we're not broken as we imagined ourselves to be or crazy as we imagined ourselves to be because we have this title, this name. Some of us might even find community. Oh, I can, you know, find other people that resonate with this same label and I can feel less alone. I can develop relationships that are supportive. So that's why I like to point out the limitation because some of us can gain a a lot of value in that. And if you're that person and you resonate, right, with that label, with the diagnoses or diagnosis, then by all means. However, there are some of us who attach that label to who we are. We become that. Mm. And in doing that, we limit ourselves from finding a path out. So just as much as, like I said, I've carried all of those diagnoses at one time in my life for years of my life. At this point, they don't resonate with me anymore, mm -hmm. and I don't. I've evolved out of those. So the mm -hmm. thing that I just like to point out, and this applies to anything. We could apply you know, our, our, our religious beliefs and make that a part right. of ourself. We could, uh, we could – anytime we're assuming, you know, that this one aspect of who I am, whether it's a diagnosis, my religious belief, my political affiliation, and we – assume that means all of us and we like kind of paint that over all of us, then 
that might be limiting because it becomes really exactly. hard, right, to break out yeah. then of those more full self identities. As a and I don't believe there's any full self identity that any of us humans have. We're evolving, ever changing creatures. There's not one thing mm-hmm. that is us. So anytime I believe that we're limiting ourselves and only defining us on one part of our story, I would point out this same limitation. Yeah, because there there's the danger of associating it with your identity, and then you just continue to live out that identity. Right, right. Yes. And and we could do that in in a lot of different areas yeah. outside of that. I could become. I was a shy child. I could have owned that shyness and stayed always, shy. Yeah, and stayed shy I can even relate. if it didn't resonate right anymore. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. Awesome. So we have some awesome questions from Instagram. The first one from Alice, she asks about dealing with toxic and negative family. Until recently, you were openly cut off from family intentionally. So for people who feel that they'd be better off away from family, what do you recommend? How do you deal with that situation? Yeah, absolutely. And again, this is a, you know each of our individual journeys and individual choices. So never when I share my story, am I intending for someone to follow my exact However, Mm -hmm. I share my story and I speak about, you know, having gone no contact with my family for almost two years because I know for a lot of us talking about, you know, disconnecting from family is incredibly taboo. Um, I myself was raised, you know, with with one of my family mantras being family is everything. Um, I know some of it is cultural. So I speak of this because I want to give voice to those of us out there who have made this, you know, really difficult for me. It was probably maybe the most difficult decision I've ever made in my life. Um, so it's an individualized choice and I share my story, you know, just to, to give people the opportunity, um, to explore, you know, if it is boundaries that they want to put in place, it doesn't have to look like uh, full no contact like I did. I went through multiple versions of trying to put up limits, you know, between myself and my family and then made the decision to go. So it's really an individual, mm-hmm. I think, you know, kind of uh, journey and determination. And, you know, I'm here to say that it it, it is okay uh, to take space in any of our relationships um, mm-hmm. if that would better, you know, serve best serve our healing. And on the other side of it now, um, I actually, after family therapy and, you know, kind of rebuilding the relationship with each of my family members um, in a new way now, I think we all kind of are settling into, while it was really painful for each of us, uh, it, it kind of gave us all the, the space to, to focus a bit more on, our, on ourselves and our own mm-hmm. healing. And now as a family, in terms of our relationships as a unit, you know, I see them getting, getting stronger. I love that. And in from my point of view, I see it as that space and that boundary allowed you to break down your autopilot habits with each other, yes. right? It gives you that yes. space so that you can start over again fresh and make new connections, right? Absolutely. It allowed me because one of my major dynamics that I talk a lot about that I know a lot of us resonate with is is codependency, mm-hmm. is not having any space. Mm-hmm. Um, most decisions I made for me, quote unquote, I'm putting up air quotes, were kind of vetted through a filter of how that would affect everyone else in my life I with see. my family members, right? Right yeah. up at the top of that. So when I when I made that cut, I had the opportunity to vet, to learn, to teach myself how to prioritize me mm, and my needs. Which is huge. And yeah. now, right? I mean, in my opinion, 
necessary. Yes. You know, when we want to heal our relationships, most of us, the work that we, we're needing to do is to heal the relationship with ourselves first. And then we can develop and evolve into, you know, authentic relationships with others. So for me, yeah, it was kind of that hard stop that over time allowed me to begin to meet my own needs. I mean, you know, to be a therapist saying is I didn't really know how to meet my own physical body needs, let alone my emotional needs, my spiritual needs. So that hard stop gave me that space. And now, obviously, while it's still challenging, because when we go back to those oldest of our relationships, that pull, mm-hmm. right, to return to that familiar is very strong. And in a lot of ways, there's still a lot of those old dynamics present in my family unit. Now I'm a little bit better at yeah. keeping myself up toward the top of that priority list. Yeah, that's great. So we have another interesting question from Vishna. She asks, what is your opinion on positive thinking versus not suppressing your feelings and emotions? Like, can you do both? Yeah, absolutely. And I, I never, I think we need to. So part of part of my, what my habit, a byproduct of my habit of dissociating that I was describing earlier, being so disconnected from myself, was I didn't actually allow my emotions to come to the surface, to allow them to express. Mm. And when we don't allow, our emotions are energy. They're physiological, mm-hmm. energetic changes, hormonal changes in our body. And when we don't allow them to express or to, to be as they are and then to run their course and to release, as I assure you they will, they remain stuck. Um, and then they have implications for the way our body, our physical body functions, our emotional body, how they that functions. Um, and for a lot of us, it can keep us stuck in those repetitive old coping tools, you know, to numb ourselves mm-hmm. from them. And really the list goes on. And so I think when I hear people talk about power of positive thinking and just think your way through, um, it – well, it doesn't necessarily mean to bypass those emotions. Um, it mm-hmm. means to honor the very real, difficult, distressing emotions that are always going to be part of our human experience, allowing them to release. Um, and then, of mm. course, to to focus or to be aware of how our thoughts do impact how we feel. Yeah. Yeah. So you have to feel the emotions, let them come up and out of you. Because if you keep them in, it will manifest into something else, right? It will stay in your body. Yeah. And it's, you can be a positive thinker and deal with your dark emotions too. I don't think they're mutually exclusive. Absolutely not. I don't think anything is. I I love the word and I emphasize it every time I say it. And, A-N-D, right? We can feel sad and happy at the same time. Things can, yeah. even though I, I don't like these labels, things can be good and bad if you are mm. at the same time. And I think a lot of us, for many different reasons, some of it's, you know, kind of from a remnant of our, our past experiences of trauma, we become very black and white, right? If something's mm-hmm. good, it's not bad. If it's happy, it's not sad. And I think if we continue to evolve, you know, as a species, we make space for all of the things that something can be all at once. Yeah, yeah, we have the capacity for for to feel all of it. Yes, yeah, and it's hard as hell, and that's why this is very <laughs> complicated. And you know, we don't, we have to learn. So, people listening, you know, I get a lot of people that are like, "Oh, I'm too old." I have, you know, and it's this, it's a tall order being human. And as far mm-hmm. as I see it, this is this is our life in evolution, and there's no too late. Um, you know, learning how to express oneself authentically and emotionally and in, in our fullness is, in my opinion, 
our life's work here. Yeah. Can I ask you, is there a specific exercise, like one exercise that you've seen resonate with so many people to help them just make an, like a instant change in their life? Yeah, no, absolutely. So I, I talk a lot about consciousness um, and I have a, I have a tool and I actually have some free journal prompts. Yes. It's called the future self journal. Um, I think it can be incredibly helpful. Essentially it's a journaling practice to help us create change. So if anyone is interested, I have free journal prompts. If you sign up for my email list that go out and the reason why I shout that out, cause it's really an exercise in consciousness. Um, so each and every day you wake up, I suggest you focus on, you know, one new habit that you want to create, you know, moving forward. So for someone, it might be creating that conscious check-in, moment check-in mm, in your day. Love it. For someone else who maybe knows my work, now I know I talk a lot about breath work. Maybe it's, you know, doing a breath work practice somewhere in your day. The reason I shoot, shout out the journaling tool though is because mm -hmm. you can use that to create any new habit. Um, so by waking up, by setting the intention, by journaling as if you've already completed the task. Today I am conscious. I check in with myself, my attention throughout my day. And when it's not, you know, in the current moment, I use my senses to ground myself. When we engage in that daily practice, we're doing a couple things. We're drawing to mind our intention to do something different than that autopilot, which the more consistently we remind ourselves, the more we increase the likelihood that we're going to do that new thing. Because if we don't, chances are we're going to slide right back into yeah. autopilot and live our day just like we lived yesterday. Mm -hmm. Another reason why journaling is really helpful and writing as if it's already happened, I already am conscious, is because our mind doesn't know the difference between what's real and what's imagined. And the more you rehearse a new thought, you know, I am conscious, a new feeling, I am peaceful when I am conscious, your brain is practicing. Mm -hmm. And our brain is something that we refer to. It's neuroplastic, which really just means it can mm. change. So just as much as early experiences could likely for a lot of us have changed the way our brain functions, um, making some of these, you know, our stuck responses, it can learn new ones as well. Yeah. So when we engage in this new daily practice of setting an intention to create change, if we go as far to journal about it as if it's already true, now we're practicing mental rehearsal. We're increasing the likelihood, because this is the caveat here, that journal isn't magical. I don't shut the journal, sparkles don't come out, and change doesn't happen. I have to then go practice it, yeah. like I was saying earlier. I have to then go be conscious and make these new choices somewhere at least throughout my day. Um, and then once I put that journal down and I begin to practice these new choices, then over time that change begins to solidify and I actually create transformation. I love that. Thank you for sharing that because it's so, it's step by step, but I can see why and how it works, you know? Absolutely. Lastly, we have some rapid fire questions that I ask all of our guests on the show. Um, the first question is, what does your dream life look like? What does my dream life look like? Mm. Um, my dream life looks like living in purpose. And I'm smiling really yeah. big because I'm I, I feeling like I live it, you know, on the daily now. Um, I'm doing the work I love. I'm sharing my story. I'm learning. I'm evolving. And I get to do that. So dare I say, um, it looks like it looks like now and it looks like feeling empowered and feeling free um, in the way that, you know, living consciously and and embodying empowerment does. 
I love that. I, I have a smile on my face too because I feel Good. it. <laughs> I think I felt it. I think I felt it. I, I feel that. it. I totally Me too. It. I got goosebumps. Okay. The next one is what is one book or resource that you recommend to everybody? Oh, good one. Um, I have so, so many outside, outside <laughs> of my book that's coming out in March 20, 2021, oh, yeah. How to Do Work. Plug, plug How that. How to Do Work. Yes. Um, no, jokes aside, though, in my book, I, I'm really excited about my book because I know I put out this content and I will continue to always put out this content each and every day on Instagram. This book, though, is really the first comprehensive volume of the way I conceptualize this new holistic um, mental wellness field. So that's why I'm particularly excited about that. And it's kind of like the place where it all lives. Um, But that's not to say that I haven't had incredible, um, you know, kind of impactful books along the way, just kind of a book by uh, Red Hawk called Self-Observation, anything by Eckhart Tolle, um, A New Earth is so incredible. Um, These are like Mm -hmm. consciousness-based. Michael Singer, The Surrender Experiment, his other ones, one of my favorite books. Um, These are all really consciousness-based titles that, again, I think is just so foundational. Uh, Power of Now is a really, really great one. So anything really on consciousness, I think, is is the go-to for my recommendation. I love that. Next one. What is one habit that has changed your life? <laughs> Consciousness. <laughs> you could have guessed that. Yes. I mean, being I, coming from a living completely dissociated and unconsciously, that is the single pivotal, pivotal habit that changed my life. Amazing. What is the best life or career advice that you've ever gotten? To trust. To trust yourself and to also understand that we are all perceiving the world through our own lenses, oftentimes based in our past experiences. That was an actual clinical piece of advice um, that I received from a supervisor very early on in my training uh, where she urged never to assume, even if the person across from you is talking about anxiety in the way that you think about it, you know, ask for that clarification. Try to understand and listen um, for how they, you know, are experiencing what they're describing because so many of us just color what we're hearing someone say or what we're seeing or what we're experiencing in the world and we're coloring it through all of these lenses um, of the past. Um, So just understanding that that we are all subjective uh, in so many ways is, I think, a really empowering truth. Yeah. Okay. So finish the sentence. The most amazing part about life is? Life. All of it from top to bottom. I mean, now that I've become present to it, you know, even, even the hard parts and, you know, I've definitely, there's, there's been hard parts, there's current hard parts that, you know, are existing in, in my ether right now. And, Mm -hmm. and, you know, kind of retrospectively the, the fullness of it after being so numb for so long, um, any, any feeling now feels like, life embodied. And that's beautiful to me. That is beautiful. All right, Nicole, where can we find you online? Absolutely. So the best place to find me every damn day almost is uh, Instagram (laughs) at the the theholistic.psychologist. Come over, hang out with the amazing community of self-healers, always putting out daily content that I am hoping will help everyone in their journey. Anyone who's interested in getting that future self journal that I referenced earlier in the link tree on that Instagram, you could find your way to that, to my book pre-order, pretty much everything I direct through that link tree on that Instagram. 
Um, I have a new website that's going to be launched probably in the next month at yourholisticpsychologist.com. So you'll be seeing that go live soon too. Though the Instagram is really where I tell everyone to come over and hang out because all things that I'm typically doing will come through the Instagram page in one way or another. (laughs) Amazing. Thank you so much, Nicole. I had such a blast talking to you and thank you so much for your work. I look forward to continuing to follow along. Of course. Thank you so much, Eileen, for having me. It's been a true pleasure. And thank you for sharing your time, energy, and your community with me as well. Thank you. All right. I hope you enjoyed that interview as much as I did. Now I just want to share some takeaways from our conversation. So the first main takeaway I got from talking to Nicole was consciousness. Consciousness is the key. The question you want to be asking yourself is, am I conscious or am I unconscious most of the time? When you're unconscious, you're in that autopilot mode, which she says takes up 90% of our time. 90% of your time, you're in autopilot, just doing things without making a conscious decision. But your real power lies in when you are being conscious, when you're being present and aware of the moment right in front of you because that's where you have your power to change. If you're feeling stuck and you don't know where to start, start with consciousness, becoming more aware of the moment in front of you at more times during the day. And like Nicole said, you can set an alarm, set two alarms at two random times of the day and then catch yourself. What are you doing when that alarm goes off? Where is your mind? Is your mind in the present moment or is your mind in something else, the past, the future, or just your thoughts? The second takeaway is that holistic psychology takes into account our subconscious mind and the connection between our body, mind, and soul. And traditional psychology or medicine sees and treats those things as separate when they should be seen together. And I think this is huge. I think more and more we're recognizing the connection between all of these things. If you have a physical symptom, it's not just a physical symptom. There may be something underlying. It may be like underlying stress or anxiety or some sort of built up emotion, just stuck energy that contributes to your headache. For example, if you've listened to my podcast, you know that I've had multiple episodes in the past where we've explored this topic of the body and mind connection. And I'm at a place where I truly, truly believe that emotions and mental energy, if not properly dealt with, will manifest as other symptoms, even physical symptoms in your life. They don't go away. If you ignore it, if you suppress things, they become something else in your life. And yeah. I just think it's so fascinating and we're seeing more and more people talk about this. The last takeaway is a practical exercise that Nicole shared. She talks about her future self journal, which you guys should check out. We'll link it down below. But one part of it is to journal as if what you want has already happened because your brain can't tell the difference between what is real and what is imaginary. So if you journal in the present tense as if you're like, I am conscious, I have this, I am that, like as if it's already real, then eventually your brain is going to believe that and it's going to eventually actually become real. It was actually interesting to hear Nicole talk about this and use different terms because of her background in clinical and traditional psychology. I mean, when you talk about journaling as if something's already happened, that to me sounds like law of attraction and manifesting. And I talked to her about that and she agreed it's the same thing. It's just that previously when people talked about manifesting or law of attraction to certain people or to like clinical psychologists, it sounds so woo woo. And now 
now we're getting to a place where more people are seeing the benefits of that and they're explaining it in more practical terms so that it's more grounded in reality. Not to say that law of attraction is not, but just to say that before certain people maybe their explanations were a little more lofty and people like Nicole who have like the concrete background they're talking about the same exact thing but maybe because they talk about it in their terms and with their or in a way that they understand it makes it more believable and more concrete and it's just interesting to me to see the trend of more and more people hopping onto these ideas and more of these ideas becoming mainstream so regardless of how these ideas are being presented whether they're being presented from the lofty woo-woo spiritual point of view or whether they're presented from like a concrete grounded scientific point of view i think all are good and all are helpful because they speak to different audiences i think it's Exciting because Nicole has reached a huge audience with her delivery and her perspective. So yeah, make sure to check her out. Thank you guys so much for listening to this episode of the podcast. I'm super excited to keep sharing more of the season. Talk to you next time. Bye. All right, that's it for today's episode. Thank you so much for listening to The Lavender Lifestyle. If you like this podcast, please show your support by leaving a review on iTunes. Lastly, you can catch me on YouTube and Instagram at Lavender, where I have even more content for the artist of life. Sending you so much love. Bye.